Greetings, everyone. I'm excited to welcome Sean Travaskis and Enver Sorkun, co-founders at GrowDash. Welcome, guys. Hi, thank you for having us. We're really excited to be here. Hey, hey, yeah, thank excited. you. Yeah, excited to have you guys on the show. So let's dive right in. Tell us, I don't know who wants to start first, but tell us a little bit about your background. I'll start if you like. So yeah, Sean, raised in the UK, moved to the Middle East quite young. I started my career as a, as a consultant, helping small businesses in the MENA region build sales plans and take product to the market. I then worked with a, a big group, which is a supermarket group called Castle in the Middle East, where we were part of the B2B division. So I started selling ingredients. That was my first foray into F&B. I then eventually moved on to Talabat, where I worked for Enver. In fact, not with Enver, for Enver in a role there. And our responsibility was to launch the commercial strategies for all the advertising tools that, 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 that Talabat was building across the MENA region. Enver can introduce a little bit more about his side of what he did there as well. He was leading the team across different functions. I then moved on to Deliveroo, where I got to work in a more senior commercial role, building more the set, the commercial strategies and trying to take market share from the competitors and so on. But uh, yeah, eventually we, uh, my, me and Ember stayed friends and kept in touch. And uh, yeah, we had this idea for GrowDash and how we could try and help restaurants that were using the channels such as Talabat and Deliveroo in our region and more globally, you know, places like Grubhub and, uh, and so on across the world to, to try and help them grow. So yeah, this is where we are now. We're full time at GrowDash and it's me. Enver, yeah. And to you. Yes. Yeah. Enver. Yeah. Appreciate that, Sean. Enver, tell us a little bit about your background. Hey, this is Emmanuel. So I'm I'm from Turkey. I studied industrial engineering in the uh, university time, and while I'm studying, I worked in Yemex Deputy, which is uh, like a, a, a company under Delivery Hero, and th that is the place where I first met with the food tech industry. After the university, I had a short entrepreneurship journey, which is completely like a different time the food tech, but like the real estate tech. I probably failed that time. I was so junior to do this. And I started to work in Ferrero chocolate company. In 2017, I came to Dubai, started working in Talabat. In Talabat, I started to lead non-commercial revenue, which consists of like a three main revenue pillars. The first one is advertising the revenue from the restaurant. The second one is partnerships with the Coca-Cola, Pepsi kind of company. And lastly, the passive income for the aggregators, which is registration and renewal fee. Uh, after three and a half years, exciting journey in Tanagat, I moved to another delivery hero investment company, quick up a last mile logistic company. And in the beginning of 20, at the end of 2021, I left quick up, take some time, and we started to bounce ideas with Chan. And here we are. Oh, that's great. Yeah, love those backgrounds. So yeah, let's let, tell us a little bit about GrowDash. What products and services does GrowDash offer? Yeah, so GrowDash is a analytics and business intelligence platform specifically built for restaurants. We're trying to solve the data problem that exists between restaurants understanding how to use all the advertising tools available to them on services like Talabat, Deliver, and any aggregator channel, basically, and how they can use them to develop profitable growth strategies. So we, we really keep on the pulse of being proactive with your marketing campaign and enabling that through the collection of data, generating those insights, and then fueling that through our recommendation engine to tell restaurants exactly what to do to optimize each and every campaign, and then facilitating action part as well. So actually taking that workload away from restaurants um, and facilitating it, becoming real life organizations. And that together is, is kind of a, a, a macro snapshot of what we're building at GrowDash and 
how we're trying to solve the problem that, that exists in the market. Yeah, and I love that that niche in restaurants. And in is this any restaurant, fine dining, fast casual, fast food? Tell us a little bit it's about a, your ideal customer profile. Yeah, it's any customer that is selling, any restaurant that is selling on these types of channels where the food is being picked up by the restaurant through, and you're ordering through the app, you're getting your food picked up from the restaurant and it's getting delivered to you. So any app that does that in any country, in most countries, there are anywhere between three to kind of six key players. We're really focused on helping restaurants with, with those opportunities on, on, on those types of channels. Exactly. Okay. Um, okay. So, so really, so if anyone who has that app, you can order online or order mobily so you can help that, that large group of restaurants. Exactly, exactly. And we, we, we're seeing a lot of traction with kind of the mid-market buckets of those restaurants that are not necessarily owned as independently restaurants or those enterprise accounts. Like, you know, if you think of KFCs and McDonald's, which are really resource-driven and heavy, it's more that mid-market is our sweet spot where, you know, they're evolving into multiple locations. And this is a real kind of something they really need to focus on, which is growth. And then applying that with a cloud-based solution that really transforms their, their operations digitally really has an impact on, on how they can get better returns on their growth investments on these channels. And your current customers right now, is, is it global? Do you have a geographic focus for the restaurants that you're helping? Yeah, so right now we have a geographic focus. We're, we're really kind of got our eyes set on uh, the GCC. We're operating already across three countries. So the UAE, Kuwait, and Qatar. We're going to be launching in the monster that is uh, Saudi Arabia later this year. And that's a big focus for us all throughout 2024 as well. Alongside that, we're in the cusp of preparing for our seed round. And what that will do is we'll really start thinking about how do we also start building a foothold in Southeast Asia and also in Europe, UK, and trying to identify which countries we should go to just to kind of establish a kind of a working methodology there and seeing how our product applies to those markets too, which will come next year. Yeah, I love that. I love that. I see the yeah, big problem being solved for these restaurants to help them with their growth. And so what year did you found Grodash? I'm going to end the talking. I don't tell you. We started to bounce ideas like mm, by May, June time, and we like to kick off the project by July time. And like by mid July, we had our first customers. So we simply built our like startups with the, or those, like we are calling them like a strategic partners. And we like keep growing with them. And they also keep growing by utilizing our tools and services. And so was that this year that you guys founded or 2022? 2022. Okay. So around, you already said July, so July, 2022, you already had your first customers, but it started a little bit before that then. Yeah. Yeah. And, and exactly. last year was really, last year, we, me and Enver kind of took it on our, 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 our kind of shoulders to bootstrap the business. So 2022 for us was really a learning opportunity more than a traction opportunity. We didn't even really start building out a product, to be honest with you. We really focused on building MVP, bootstrapping that. Ember's, Ember's a genius when it comes to finding solutions from nothing and applying them in the real world. So we're very lucky that we had Ember's skill set on board. And that allowed us to really build traction, kind of moving towards the end of the year and think about, right, okay, we've actually got a solution now that we think is solving a problem. Let's go out and let's try and build a way to make it into a more scalable product that we can then start delivering across different geographies in a, in a rapid environment. So that's kind of where we're at today now in 2023. Okay, great. And we'll talk about your pre-seed round in a second here. And then do you guys have a headquarters location or are you just purely, purely global and remote? Yeah, we're, we're, we're currently based, the majority of our, 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 our team is based in Dubai, uh, in the UAE. 
because our focus is, is the GCC. So we started in the UAE and then we just started kind of launching other countries from there. Ember can talk about his tech team though, because they're, they're pretty global. Yeah. All over the world. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we, we, when it comes to tech team, we have like a couple of developers in Dubai as well as like we have developers in India right now. We are also planning to launch a, a tech hub towards the end of this year in Turkey to speed up more like the product, like the feature development speed. And then, yeah, tell us about your current team size. And um, so right now we have 14 full-time employees split kind of 80, 20 across commercial. It's quite, it's quite the bulk load and then 20% across the tech side of things. We've then also built a really good relationship with a few agencies and kind of consultants, tech people across the globe, as Ember mentioned, and we've been utilizing that as a key lever to make sure that our runway can be extended and also making sure that we're constantly, you know, bringing the right kind of people to help us move the product forward quickly. So that's where we're at today. And then the next step, as Ember said, is now thinking about how do we start scaling, obviously our, our sales operational teams, but also building that tech hub in Turkey next. Oh, nice. And in the 80-20 split, was that heavy on 80% engineering or 80% on the commercial sales side? Oh, on, on the commercial side. So we, we bootstrapped okay. a lot of our product initially, and then we started building traction. We, we, we have a mentor that kind of gave us some really, really wise words was actually, you know, people either go very, very product heavy or they go very, very traction focused. And actually the, the perfect balance is to try and split those up and manage them and manage that cash that you've actually received in terms of your investments and then try and stretch that as long as you can. So how we thought about this was, well, if we can take the risk of building a dedicated in-house team on the sales part, which is storytelling, which is really understanding our product of being kind of in-house, that was the right way for us to go in terms of our hiring spree. And alongside that, Ember found solutions around, okay, having the right stakeholders internally that manage the tech, but also then outsourcing wherever possible to make sure that we were super scalable in, in, in kind of the talents that we needed, because that's the bit that's kind of chop and change right now in terms of what do you need today to get or the, the next couple of weeks to get this project done. So that's how we built the business and kind of balance both sides of it simultaneously. And then your current scale right now, anything you want to share revenue, right? Revenue wise related to, uh, you know, revenue ranges. Yeah, we're, we're happy to, we, uh, we, we just celebrated achieving half a million dollars ARR. So we're, we're at that marker now. We uh, have ambitious plans to scale that up to $1.4 million ARR this year. So we still have a long way to go with, with our projections, but we're, we're, we're roughly a month ahead of our forecasts. So yeah, positive stuff, but yeah, the summer yeah. months in the middle East are, are a tough one because it gets so hot, people tend to leave. So all the decision makers have been away for a while <laughs> on holiday. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Well, that's really exciting. I always, I always love beating forecasts. So that'd be some nice growth this year if you go 500K to, to close to 1.4. So that's, that's great. And tell us about your go-to-market motion. How are you finding restaurants reaching out to these prospects to land them as customers? Enver, do you want to take some more? I'm talking a lot. So I'll let leave it. Do you have some? <laughs> So it, it is your field, uh, though, but like the, we are quite old school when it comes to this. Uh, we, we, we came from the industry. We, we, so we know how to reach the restaurant. So we do a lot of cold pulling and we, we, we have a dedicated structure and like, a, a, like a well working flow. We do the cold pulling, arrange the meeting after the meeting, but like the, we might need to do maybe one more pull on top of that and find the right decision maker in the company we are talking with and place this like a signing and negotiating and yeah. signing to do. Yeah. I think, I think cold calling is, um, 
is definitely one way of putting it. But when we look at kind of what we do, it's, it's a much more advanced version of that. We're not just sat there now with a list of phone numbers anymore. There are many tools that we can find and adapt and adopt, sorry, uh, as part of our structure. So we, we have, we have tools like, for example, Rocket Reach, where you can really find the right stakeholder very, very quickly through filters and, 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 and acquiring the right contact details to get in front of people. But we, we do have a decent sized CRM system, CRM, where we've kind of build that up over a period of last year. We're using that to do some more email communication. So it is outbound and we are trying to generate some more kind of organic inbound opportunities. Uh, but we're very specific about the customers that we're going after. We talked about before, it's that mid-market segment to us that we're very keen on. So we, we've identified kind of the biggest players in that mid-market segment and our BDM team are very focused on that. Anything from the tail end of the independence right now, because the educational piece around what we're doing and normally their adoption, they're kind of the, the, the financial barriers to to adopt that kind of technology in, in a tailored restaurant. We're at this point where we're thinking about how do we bring a freemium later that will hopefully should build that traction. And then with the enterprise, we, we reach out to them, but it's it's a slow burning process with any enterprise account. There's many, many layers to tackle. So the mid markets where we're really focused, and we do that through our network, yeah. and as we, we talked about, being outbound targeted. Yeah, a little longer sales cycle with, with the big, big enterprises. Yeah. So let's yeah, talk yeah. a little bit, a little bit about your fundraising journey. It looks like you raised. A 750K pre-seed round. And was that USD? Yes. Okay. So 750K USD pre-seed round uh, raised today. Is that all the capital that you've raised to, at this point? Yeah, we, we've had one round. Before that, we, we we put our time and sweat equity, I suppose you can call it, into the business to, to bootstrap it to where it needs to get to, to be able to raise. Yeah, that's where we're at today. Okay. And then tell us with that pre-seed round, what triggers led you to that raise? What what was your thinking around uh, you know raising that pre-seed round? We realized that we had found we definitely not know any product market fit. There's so much innovation and 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 so many different features and functions we can bring in to, to to achieve that. But what we did find is that the one the initial problem we were trying to solve, which was helping them with their bid campaigns, they're called cost per click campaigns. We built a tool on, on an Excel sheet and a, rec- a basic recommendation engine behind that that started solving that problem for our existing kind of test partners, um, our strategic partners. It was we were starting to get really good results from it, and the market average was basically around two to three x return on advertising spend, and we were starting to achieve well over ten x return on advertising spend using the system we built on an Excel. So at that point, we said, "Hey, let's build a, an MVP on, on on Microsoft BI," and then Ember was like, "Right, if we can do that, and that's working." then there's so much more around this that I want to build as part of a product roadmap. So they ever built that out and we kind of then judged what would it cost for us to get to that level alongside the revenue we were taking in. And we realized, you know, we have to raise here. We have to raise. We want to take advantage of what we're doing as quickly as possible. So that's what, that's what that was the trick, to be honest with you. Okay. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. And then any lessons learned in that pre-seed round? Was it at that point selling your stories, selling the vision, right? You don't have much data yet to maybe support geo traction, things like that. Any lessons learned that you'd like to share with other founders who are looking for that pre-seed round? Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a few lessons learned. First one was really, we, we probably went a little bit too soon to start raising for us with you. I think Ember can kind of explain a few reasons to why that is in a second for sure, because it's it, it was it was a big learning curve, you know, really understanding what, what we had to actually deliver to investors. But I think the other lesson that we learned was that actually reaching out to investors is not the old school kind of environment we thought it was going to be. We thought you had to have a network to actually get hold of investors. And my biggest lesson learned in terms of just approaching them was just 
you can utilize LinkedIn and you can, you can message people and they'll reply. They, they want to, they want to build a pipeline of potential deals. So I think people need to get over that idea that you need to have this network and be part of the system already. We don't come from that background of having a network of investors or VC friends or anything like that, or even angel friends. So we just tapped into kind of where can we go and find them? And then we found them and started reaching out and having those conversations, storytelling and telling them why we were doing this. But yeah, Enver, please, please. I mean, we had some big lessons learned on the tech front and on, on, on pitching and all these things that come with it and even the financials. So Enver, I'll hand to you because yeah. Yeah, let me start from the value, like the value started the story. Yes, we started a little bit early. And uh, what I uh, what I did today, we have done the, the correct thing. It was a little bit frustrating at the beginning because we weren't even reached to that level yet, and we we it is so easy for any VC to reject us. However, I see that like whoever is going to invest in you needs to see your progress, and before knowing you, they cannot understand the progress. So. When you start from it, like literally, like very close to the idea stage, but like I have some customers and when we say that, okay, this is our vision and this is what we are going to build, et cetera, they said it, okay, good. But like after two months, when we start talking again, then we said it, okay, we have the product as well now. So they see that, okay, these guys are, that's to say that like these guys stated we are going to do this in two months and they have delivered it. Let me see. And they, they will see, they, they meet us again after two months again. And they see that all the things we discussed in the previous meeting achieved again. So that built trust. So I think the trust element is something that like inevitable. They need to trust like the, you cannot only show the numbers. You, you cannot only show the products. People need to trust on you. And the, the only way to trust is either they need to know you earlier or they need to know you enough that you are, you are able to achieve what they have taught. Yeah. And yeah. It, it really, yeah, he'll go ahead, Sean. I was going to say on top of what Ember's saying, I think you hear loads of people telling you that you're going to get a hundred, a thousand no's before you get a yes. And if you think about the idea of every conversation you have is a no, then yeah, you are going to get a thousand no's. But actually when you actually break it down, we probably spoke to 50, 60 institutional VC super angels, and we had to speak to them. 10, 20 times each to get to the point where actually they started to see what Ember's just telling you. So did we get a thousand no's? No, actually we got 40 no's and 20 said yes, to be honest with you, because if you really break it down, it's about building relationships. It's almost a sales process. And that was the big learning opportunity for me that I got from it. It's a sales process and it is about building relationships, as Ember said, and going back again and back again. And a no is not a no. A no is not now, basically, is what we know. I love that. No is not now. And and you brought up a good point about selling, and that comes up all the time, whether it's a pre-seed round, or even I talked to CFOs who are raising $100 billion, it's still, you're still selling at, at, at every stage of, of your fundraise. So really appreciate that insight and that experience in, in the fundraising. And so at the current stage of your business, do you have a favorite number or metric that you're focused on? We have a couple that are really, really keen for us to, to keep an eye on. We keep a track of our ARR and our MRR. Obviously, they're heavily linked. We keep a track of those. We keep a track of the active users and their utilization of the product. So Ember keeps a track of how often they're in the product, what they're doing, where they're clicking, so we can learn from that as well. Alongside that, we are very, very keen on understanding our churn. So any, any if we do have, we've had a very low churn percentage so far, but we're a subscription-based service, right? So we really want to make sure that we understand 
if, if someone is churning, why they're churning and how we can rectify that moving forward and learn from it. They're the ones that I really track from a commercial perspective. Ember, I don't know if you want to add some more that you really focus on from your side as well. Yeah, definitely. Especially on the product side and the like the overall experience side, that what we are from like promising to the clients that like they they can utilize their marketing uh, marketing spendings wisely, right? With the utilization of data. So, uh, or big uh, or like the big most important KPI on the product and tech side is the return on advertising spend of our clients. So we continue to keep eyes on it and like they continue to check. So recommendations are matching with the, the reality and like the, there is no issues happening. So even if we need to go deep dive sometimes and like checking and reading all these recommendations, like the generated uh, from the, or like a, the recommendation engine, we, we do this because it is the most important KPI on our side. And we, we continuously keep listening to our customers on, on the customer success side, we we have a, like a, like a frequency of the catch up. So an important metric we follow. So we are trying to keep this number high enough, even though it looks a little bit unscalable, we are a product development stage and we need to keep this high frequency of like touch points between clients, get the right feedbacks to improve the products on the right. Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So, well, yeah, I love those metrics at your stage of the business. And, uh, you know, really appreciate you, you sharing your experience and insight today, Sean and Ember. And as we wrap up here, I'd like to know what's next for the company. What's next that's coming up that's exciting for GrowDash? Yeah, seed, seed Round is next, which is another learning opportunity. So that's probably the big one this year. Uh, we're going to launch in, in, in our biggest market yet, which is uh, Saudi Arabia. Um, and then we're, we're just finalizing our strategy for next year. So understanding and identifying where the opportunities are in Europe and Southeast Asia, particularly for us to start tapping into and building that foothold there uh, as we kind of think about, you know, really, really, really kind of pushing, pushing the, the, the first mover advantage, leave, trying to take, make the most out of that really, you know, what we're building. So yeah, that's, that's kind of where we're at today. I'm thinking about doing next. Yeah, Cedar Run would be exciting. If any, we'll get to contact info next so any investors listening can reach out to Sean and Ember. But Sean, quick question. It looks like you're, you're at a trade show or at a conference looking at your background. Um, we we were recently asked to go on a show called The Band, which is like uh, the, the GCC version of Shark Tank. So there's like a, a preliminary course to it where we get to learn about financial modeling and all these things. So yeah, I mean... Abu Dhabi global markets at the moment in a school based environment, basically learning. And I've stepped out to uh, come and have a chat with you. <laughs> okay. I love that. Appreciate that. Appreciate that. So guys really appreciate Sean and Ember. You shared your experience, your insight, fundraising lessons learned, you know, really appreciate the insight around the product. So if listeners would like to learn more about GrowDash, where should we send them online? Yeah, it's uh, www.mygrowdash.com is our website and you can find all the details there. You can request to have a product demonstration. Alternatively, you can reach out to me and Ember directly anytime as well. And we're always happy to jump on calls and show you what we're doing. So yeah, we're excited by it. We're passionate about it. So yeah, anyone wants to know, we'll be there. That's great. Yeah. So if you'd like to learn more about Sean and Ember and GrowDash, check out mygrowdash.com to learn more. And Sean and Ember, really appreciate your time today and sharing your experience. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Yeah. Thank you, Ben. Thank you.